us pray. Come, Holy Spirit, and fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle within us the fire of your love. And may my words and our hearts glorify you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So, for centuries, literally centuries, Christians have gathered as we gather this evening. Can you imagine? People all over the world this evening are gathering for this time of worship. And they've been gathering since early in the morning, all day long, for this one special time of worship. They have always, as we will, observed with great devotion the days of the passion, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And early in the life of the church, it became the custom to prepare for Easter by a season, a whole season of repentance and fasting and prayer. That Easter was that glorious that we should give over all these days, 40 days, six weeks for this time to prepare our hearts for that glorious moment. This season of 40 days from Ash Wednesday to Holy Saturday, minus Sundays, because, you know, Sundays are the Lord's Day, and we don't fast on the Lord's Day. <laughs> this time, these 40 days, historically provided a time in which converts to the faith were prepared for baptism into the body of Christ. It was also a time when persons who had committed serious sins had and who had been separated from the community um, were reconciled, were forgiven. Uh, they repented and they were forgiven and they were restored into the community. As a faith community of radical welcome, mercy, and grace, we no longer separate people out from the community. And so Ash Wednesday has become now our time for us to look seriously at our lives to examine our mortality, our relationship with God and with others. So the mark of ashes is odd, I think, for a lot of people today in our contemporary culture. I mean, uh, we don't really do that uh, in practice, um, but it's a symbol. It's a sign. It's a way we say, okay, mark me. I'm going to repent. I'm going to turn and go the other way. It reminds us that we are dust, and to dust we shall return. But this isn't a sorrowful worship service. I mean, because it is the practice of our faith that whenever we confess how we have turned away from God, how we have turned away from others, how we have harmed our best selves, that forgiveness is given to us. We are blessed. We are redeemed. We are forgiven, and we are ushered into new life. So this isn't a sorrowful service. It was a time of deep reflection. In this ancient service, we join with those who have gone before us, those who will come after us and all 
all the saints of heaven on, and on earth in our remembrance of the mercy and love that was shown to us in Jesus, the rabbi of Nazareth, and the need we all have to renew our baptismal covenants and receive again the blessings of God through the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. During this, during this season of Lent, I will be preaching a sermon series entitled Honest to God. And our text for the series will be the Psalms. Just as we have heard in the selections from the Psalms this evening, Psalm 51, we will hear Psalms each Sunday of Lent. Psalm 51 is the best example I know of being honest to God, really, truly. I mean, it is a psalm attributed to King David, written following the confrontation with the prophet Nathan, who confronted David about his adulterous relationship with Bathsheba that resulted in David putting her husband Uriah on the front lines of the war, essentially sealing his death, and also that in all of that, so much was lost. What we hear in this psalm is a genuine and heartfelt confession before God and a pleading for God for mercy. Have mercy on me, O oh God. Have mercy. It is a pleading. It is a sincere effort to, towards self-truth and a truth-telling before the one who already knew the truth, right? We know today that holding on to those things that we feel like where we've failed or we've done wrong or we've hurt others or we've hurt ourselves or we've turned away from God, that holding on to that destroys us. It destroys us spiritually and it destroys us physically. But the Psalms are not just about sins. Oh, oh, no, not just about that. <laughs> Let's don't get mired down in that. There are psalms of lament, psalms of deliverance, psalms of thanksgiving and praise, psalms about the enthronement of God, psalms about pilgrimage, making a journey toward God, psalms that were meant for the royalty, like King David, psalms of wisdom, and psalms of, I don't even know if I can pronounce it, imprecatory. I had never even heard that word. I had to look it up. And what it means is calling down, calling things out. I like that. Psalms of calling things out. When Carrie and I first planned this series, I think we thought Lent of 2022 would be a time of transitioning out of COVID. I mean, I think that's really why we planned it. A new beginning, you know? being honest with God and a new beginning. We couldn't have imagined that Russia would invade Ukraine and threaten nuclear destruction. So I can think of no better time than right now to be honest with God about our fears, our doubts, our angers, our heartaches, our disappointments and deep sorrows. And for 
perhaps this is our great Lenten sacrifice. Perhaps this is our sacrifice, our fasting for this year, to honestly confront what is wrong in our lives and in our world. And repent, which means to turn and go the other way. Turn and go to a new way. A new way of being in the world. The prophet Isaiah, speaking in God's voice, explains what true fasting is all about. Saying, this is the kind of fast I'm after. To break the chains of injustice. Get rid of the exploitation in the workplace. Free the oppressed. Cancel debts. What I'm interested in is seeing you do this. Sharing your food with the hungry. Inviting the homeless poor into your homes. Putting clothes on the shivering ill-clad. Being available to your own families. Do this and the lights will turn on. And your lives will turn around at once. Your righteousness will pave your way. I, your God of glory, will secure your passage. Then when you pray, God will answer. You'll call out for help, and I'll say, here I am. Today, our ashes remain nothing more than ashes without a commitment to repent for our sins of selfishness and live a new life in the spirit of God's all-encompassing love. I think I may have already told you all about this, but I'm going to tell you again. You know, I was in a contemplative cohort a few weeks ago, and it was really good. And while we were in that cohort, we watched this movie called I Am. I Am is a, a 2010 documentary film written, directed, and narrated by Tom Shadyak. Now, if that sounds a little bit, a little bit like something from the Bible, you know, Meshach, Shadrach. Anyway, um, Shadyak. So there's a little something there. The film asks the question, what is wrong with the world and what can we do about it? and explores Shadyak's personal journey after a bicycle accident that nearly killed him in 2007, which led him to the answers that what's wrong with the world is the nature of humanity, the world's ever-growing addiction to materialism, and human connections. Shot with Shadyak and a team of four people, the film contrasts sharply with the director's most notable comedic works, such as Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, Liar Liar, and Bruce Almighty, all of which he collaborated with Canadian comic actor Jim Carrey. Perhaps that would be a good thing to do in this season of Lent. Watch a 76-minute movie that would completely change your perspective on life and living literally change your perspective. You would step over here and, and see something new, even in the midst of a pandemic and a war. So whatever happens, it is more important than ever to understand our connection to life, love, and the
mystery of God. By whatever name we understand the mystery to be. It is more important than ever to be connected to this beautiful world and our neighbors across the globe, right? So here in this holy evening, as we begin this season of Lent, perhaps we can let go of all our crises and let nature and neighbor deepen our vision of God and empower us to live with love and justice on this fearsome edge of history. The great, I think she's great, religious historian Diana Butler Brass had a beautiful devotional today. She asked a question, what does it really mean when we receive our ashes and hear the words, you are dust and to dust you shall return, repent and believe in the gospel. And here's her answer. With a little bit of my words. What if it means that our lives are drawn from the earth? And maybe as Tom Shadyak points out in his documentary, that dust is made from exploding stars and from all the life that has ever existed. Do you understand that? That the air Jesus breathed, Muhammad breathed, Buddha breathed, and whoever else has been important in your life and has joined the heavenly host is the same air we breathe today. It carries the memories of billions of years and immense wisdom of lives lived long ago and lives lived now. One day, we shall all return to dust, and our beings will join with the dust. And here's what Diana Butler asks. Perhaps you have often considered to dust you shall return as a sad thought. But now, but now you can be amazed by the fact that your body, heart, mind, and soul is connected to ancient matter, distant stars, and to all living things that were, that are, and that shall ever be. This is the promise of God for us on this Ash Wednesday. Diana Butler-Bass in her book Grounded said this, we, you and I, are animated dirt, soil and life joined. From living ground we were made to living ground. Thanks be to God. Amen.